connecting to the AOC Podcast Network. Enjoy your stay. What is AOC? What is community media? Maybe these are small questions, but they have big answers. So big, in fact, that we had to make a whole podcast about just that. The short answer is in our mission statement. Building an informed and engaged community through media, technology, and education. I'm Matt Roberts. Find out which book AOC member Patricia Sidman was forbidden to read as a teenager by listening to this episode of Community Quotes. Community Media is looking for volunteers interested in supporting the community while gaining new skills as part of a project called Tick on Lafayette. Volunteers, either individually or as part of a crew, will choose assignments according to their interests and then record non-commercial local events on behalf of community organizations. AOC is accepting volunteers of all levels, from beginners to professionals. Volunteers who join the Tick on Lafayette crew will receive free on-assignment coaching and free access to necessary Content recorded and edited by volunteer crew members will ultimately be seen on AOC's two television channels, Cox Communications 15 and 16, and LES Fiber 3 and 4, as well as online. To sign up as a volunteer, email aoc at info at aocinc.org. We'll just start with say and spell your name. Patricia Drury Sidman, P-A-T-R-I-C-I-A, then D-R-U-R-Y, S-I-D-M-A-N. Got it. So is, is that your your maiden name? Or your... Yeah, Drury okay. was my maiden just name. Just making sure I understood that correctly. Yeah. Awesome. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Los Angeles. Oh, really? I was born in San Diego, and then from age three through high school, I was in L.A., the other LA. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I totally get it. Well, then what was it like to grow up there? Well, it seemed normal at the time. True. It doesn't really anymore. But, you know, I grew up there when it was mostly, I was out on the edges of what's now the middle of the city. It was orange groves and mm-hmm. sort of semi-rural, mm-hmm. um, which is, I mean, now it's deteriorating urban, but oh, wow. um, yeah. it's gone through the whole cycle. Sure. Yeah. And I moved away as soon as I could. That's that's uh, an interesting side story. You don't ever see that side. You see people flocking toward it, yeah. not running from L.A. Well, I moved up to the San Francisco Bay Area to go to college, and that's where I lived for another 16 years. Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorite cities. Oh, yeah, mine too. Yeah. 
So, okay, so you went to college in San Francisco then? Well, I went to school at Stanford, which is about oh, okay. 30 miles south of San Francisco. Sure. sure. So let's go back to L.A. then. What was it, what was it like? What, I mean, is it... Is Hot. It, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Edge of the desert, 115 degrees wow. sometimes, Hot, but yes. dry. And that, I grew yeah. up with desert heat yeah. and dryness, and I never experienced either snow or humidity until I was sure. an adult. Sure. I was shocked. Yeah. So is everything Hollywood immediately, or is it, is it, it like you said, life is... Well, it was kind of ordinary, but Hollywood was definitely there. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I could always go down to Hollywood Boulevard and see movies before they were released yeah. nationally. So okay. I still love movies. That was part of my world, and there were kids I went to school with who were in movies and that kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah. Stanford then. So what was that like? <laughs> <laughs> That was interesting. I grew up in a blue-collar family, and Stanford is not mostly blue-collar family sure. kids. And I have both a bachelor's and a master's there, so I was around there, and I was adjunct faculty for a while. So I've wow. been around that community. It's, I mean, it's a wonderful school in terms of the education I got yeah. and uh, and contacts I made, and I really built my first career out of mm -hmm. the work I did there. And mm -hmm. um, but there came a time when, one of the things about California is it doesn't think it's part of the same country as everybody else. <laughs> and it pretty much gets absorbed with the wine and cheese. Yeah. <laughs> so I had kind of had it with the provincialism, and I moved east, okay. went to Washington, D.C., and then to New York City. Oh, wow. Okay. So you mentioned your first career. Yeah, my so first. <laughs> what was your first career? My first career was as a healthcare economist. Oh, wow. Um, I studied that, and it's my master's is in business, and I specialized in public sector health care. Mm -hmm. I went to work in health and human services on the staff of the assistant secretary in Washington yeah. for a year, and then I became a foundation officer in New York City for three years. Wow. And then I took a job in Minneapolis, Minnesota, where I lived for 26 years before I came here. Oh, wow. So you went extreme north. I've done every coast. You have. You have. <laughs> I'm tri-coastal plus north. Plus north. So yeah. I have to ask, out of all those places, then what, can you name a best place to live or a best? They, uh, you know, each one has its advantages. I will always love San Francisco because I love the Pacific Ocean and that's home base for me. Okay. New York is incredibly exciting and I had a wonderful time there and it would drive me crazy now to try to live there. It's hard <laughs> to live there. Everything is crowded and complicated. So is California now. I wouldn't live there. Yeah. Minneapolis is a wonderful in-between, mm -hmm. but it's still big. It seemed small when I moved there from New York. Now right. it seems enormous. Right. I moved to Lafayette seven years ago, and right now that's what fits for me. Okay. Yeah. Why, so, why is that? Um, well, I moved here to get married, and then last year my husband passed away. So I was sort of stranded, and the amount of support I've gotten in this okay. community would never have happened anywhere else. Wow. So I started, I realized this is actually where I want to stay. Yeah. I wouldn't have guessed that eight years ago, sure. but it, I'm clear about it now. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, well, also, thank you. But, wow. So that, that um, time period in your life definitely hounded on the home factor here. For yeah. It, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And that was, that was my first and only marriage. Sure. So, yeah. you know, it's been a big adjustment, but this has been a great 
place to get yeah. through it. It's yeah. a very supportive community. It was always friendly. It was easy to move here. This was the easiest place to move to mm -hmm. of all the places I've lived. Yeah. Um, there is something to be said for that hospitality yeah. thing. It's real. It is and real. And I much appreciate it. Likewise, it's also one of the hardest places to leave. Yeah. So, you know, so just because of that yeah. hospitality, yeah. it is... Uh, yeah, it gets... It goes, it goes yeah. both ways. I, I know. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> what a story. So, so that was my first career. That was your first career. Okay, then I'm going to ask, what is your second career? And my career? second one. <laughs> um, I got fed up a few years before I moved and I just walked away from the whole thing and invested what I had and my father had passed away I had a little inheritance and I got certified as a life coach okay. and I started um, working both in private practice and in a corporate setting mm -hmm. until I moved here mm -hmm. and I'm still doing a little bit and I'm gonna gear it back up again here sure. So what is a life coach? Just for myself I'm, and other people who yeah, might be a little... I know it's not as common. <laughs> Big cities, this right, gets around. It's, right. It started out as a corporate thing, but it's, it's, um, it's like a counselor who... It is a counselor who works just with the future. I don't deal with people with hang-ups from the past. I refer to mental health if there's sure. things like that. But I help people formulate goals, um, set a plan for getting there, cheer them on. <laughs> Yeah. hold them accountable, um, help people find what really gives them passion, what really gives them a sense of purpose. Sure. Um, I've gotten really good at asking the kind of questions that bring that out. Yeah. And then I also work a lot with spirituality, and so I can help people who are struggling in that arena, which from time to time is almost everybody. Sure. Not that I have answers. I don't. I don't right. push anything, but I help them find their own answers. Mm -hmm. okay. So... Good second. Uh, One of my clients calls me a life management coach. And she yeah. says she just didn't have a clue how to do anything from yeah. balancing a checkbook on. So I sort of help with practical things too and just yeah. teaching some basic skills. Definitely. Yeah. There are a lot of people who uh, would benefit from that then. I yeah. I, I mean, I've benefited from the coaches I've had. I had to have a coach while I went through my training. Oh, okay. and, yeah. Um, couldn't, it was invaluable. It's yeah. it's much more valuable than people think. Yeah, and it, it's not mental health. It's not no. saying you're crazy. It's saying support would be good. Yeah, <laughs> and a little focus. A little yeah, focus and accountability and somebody to check in with and mm -hmm. celebrate the successes yeah. and commiserate on the failures and figure out how to yeah. pick up and move forward. And, yeah, and it's almost good. Uh, it's a third party. Uh, Sometimes, I guess, you know, you might have that with your family and friends, but it's also good to have that as a third party. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it doesn't have to be reciprocal. Right. right. They, I'm just there to listen yeah. and support, and you don't have to know anything about me. Sure. sure. Yeah. That's up to me in my life to okay. take care of. Well, thanks for the explanation. I yeah, that's so that's, that's what I do, and I lead workshops. Mm -hmm. And then down here, as an avocation, I've gotten involved in community theater and okay. um, acted in a few plays. and. Yeah wrote one. I was um, artist-in-residence at mm -hmm. ACA this okay. last past year. Oh, okay. So I wrote a, a theater piece that was performed last spring yeah. with me and six other actors, and okay. that was exciting. It was exciting, I'm sure. It was. Yeah, definitely. Very cool. Well, because you've lived such a um, varied life, if you will. Um, did you have any mentors or anything whenever you were growing up that did maybe a little bit of that, like you said, a little bit of life coaching? and um, 
I had a professional mentor, mm -hmm. uh, one of my professors when I was in graduate school, and I later worked for him as a research associate and as mm -hmm. adjunct faculty, mm -hmm. and stayed in touch with him throughout sure. my first career. And I, I mean, he really taught me how to function in the world because yeah. my parents couldn't do that at that level, and mm -hmm. he was a big shot. Yeah. <laughs> Let's put it that way. He was yeah. a big, a really senior guy yeah. with a lot of major experience that I had never had. And he mentored me for decades wow. through just developing what I did in my first career. Wow. So I, um, you know, had various teachers growing up that were helpful. Sure. But that's really the person who shaped me. And then there have been spiritual leaders that have also mm. given me a base in that arena. Okay. And those are the things that I've, that I lean on and have leaned on and still do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. For decades, that's that's impressive. Yeah. Well, if we formed a professional friendship eventually after right. I wasn't his student anymore, I became a colleague. <laughs> right. That's that's awesome. I know a lot of people um, would are envious of that, myself included. You know, that's impressive to have. So. Yeah, it's why I appreciate what mentoring can do, and it's kind of what a coach does. It's kind of a giving back that same thing to people who are younger than I am and haven't had the experiences. Yeah, I could see that, definitely. All right, so we'll talk about AOC for a few minutes, and then we'll move on because there's only more exciting stuff to talk about than ourselves. <laughs> okay. But <laughs> tell me how you first got involved with AOC. Huh, I have to think. Um, <laughs> way back when I was first here, you had three-minute movie competitions, mm -hmm. And one of the people who was directing one of those invited me and my husband to be in it. Oh, okay. And we went to the award ceremony, and the film we were in won sure. that year. Okay. And that's how I, I think that's how I first really became. I, I knew there was a community channel, and sure. I had used, I had worked with that in the okay. Twin Cities, but I hadn't paid a whole lot of attention. It was in the first year that I was here, so oh, yeah. that was when I first really got a feel for. AOC. Yeah. Do you remember who the director was out of curiosity? Gina Hanshi. Yeah. Okay. She was one of my two guesses. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It was, I can't remember what it was called yeah. now, but it was the purple team. Purple team. We were always <laughs> color coordinated. So everything I wore was purple yeah. to make the point in the film. <laughs> it was very funny and I had, I had a grand time doing that. Good. Very cool. It's a good way to uh, get in, introduced to AOC then. Yeah. Yeah. So what was your first impression of AOC then? I thought there was a lot of imagination, and I liked the fact that it had that bent towards the arts, because mm -hmm. that's where my heart has been and my avocational stuff has been. And so mm -hmm. the fact that there was a film contest really impressed me. Yeah. Um, I knew there would be discussion things. I, you know, I kind of knew what to expect, but yeah. that I didn't expect, so <laughs> that was very positive. Yeah. And I was impressed. I remember that award ceremony was a huge number of people there. And, oh, I know which year you're talking about. Yeah, it was yeah. it was really a big deal, yeah. and I thought, oh, this is great for a town this size to have this much support. Yeah, that that was a big positive. Yeah, definitely. So, what? And you, it may go along that same line, but what surprised you most about AOC? Oh, it's actually bigger, more complex, and has more to offer than the stuff I've seen in bigger cities, for for local open channel kind of things. Just the array of classes, um, the ability to use equipment, not that I've done it, but it's been in the back of my mind and yeah. I may now. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
and the ability to produce public service ads. I took that class and, and did one for a nonprofit that I was doing some volunteer work with. And mm -hmm. um, just, yeah, just the size and not the physical size so sure. much, but the array of possibilities has been very impressive. Yeah. I tell people that all the time because number one, it's amazing that Lafayette has one still and that it's managed to, like you said, outgrow ones that are in larger cities. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's a testament to how much Lafayette um, supports it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. I mean, every, I'm active with the League of Women Voters. Every time we do anything, AOC is there to film it. Mm -hmm. um, AOC has filmed theatrical productions that I've been in. I've just, it's there in the community. <laughs> it's great. You know, I, it really feels connected. Very cool. What is your dream project to work on or to produce? If you have one. <laughs> it, produce at AOC or produce anyone? in life. Yeah. What, what's, a, what's your dream project? I'm writing another theater piece. Yeah. I That was the best experience I've had in really? a, maybe ever. Yeah. And that was, it was a, during this very difficult year. And now I have yeah. some other ideas about what a sequence, you know, what yeah. the, not a sequel, but a, yeah. a next piece would be. And I'm just starting to get my thoughts together. And, and I hope to also... Um, be able to turn last year's piece into a book form. I published another book, and so I, I mean, self-published. It's not like it's a bestseller or anything, but um, but I'd like to get the piece I did. We had some visual things as well as language, and mm -hmm. I'd like to get that published as a, in book form. So that's the stuff I'm working on as well as my coaching practice. Yeah, it's big stuff, big stuff. Well, this might go hand in hand, but what are you looking forward to for the rest of 2017? <laughs> besides surviving, <laughs> which kind of <laughs> becomes kind of an issue on some days. Um, yeah, but just continuing with those things, getting sure. getting that, all that stuff going. I'm, I'm really just coming back into being, I, I just collapsed for a year more or less, except for doing the one show. And now I'm starting to feel more engaged and starting to get things. So I want to do my, I do a workshop on conscious aging. I want to get that to happen in the fall, and I'm mm -hmm. working on setting that up, and I want to uh, start writing again and, you know, just pursue yeah. the things I was mentioning. Yeah. I don't have any theater projects in mind, but yeah. stuff happens. <laughs> <laughs> I never planned for any of the ones I did do, so well, until they showed up. Keep doing that, then. <laughs> yeah, it seems to work. Yeah. All right. So, um, are you or what are you reading right now? Do you consider yourself a reader? Is, is that? Yeah, I do. I'm in two okay. book clubs here. Oh, you. <laughs> and about a third of the time, I don't get the book read, but <laughs> sometimes I do. Um, I mean, right now I'm reading a novel called okay. The Magician's Assistant, which okay. is engrossing. Yeah. Um, the first over the last year, I've probably read 15 or 16 books. Um, mm -hmm nearly all of which has been about coping sure. with the circumstances I was in. Sure. But I'm finally starting to read novels and yeah. reading um, nonfiction, particularly history, and mm -hmm. uh, that pertains to stuff going on now. So I'm yeah. starting to have a little broader mind. And, yeah. um, but I do read one or two books every month and sometimes more, but yeah. at least that much. Definitely. And it ranges. You know, sometimes I want entertainment, but usually I want I prefer nonfiction. Okay. I, I like just kind of getting knowledge. Yeah, definitely. I can see that in your life. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely been I just sponge here. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
So, uh, as a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, my goodness. I was never clear on that. In fact, I hated it when teachers would ask that question because I didn't know. Sure. I mean, I, you know, I wanted to do something professional, <laughs> you know, which was kind of interesting coming from where I came from, which was a blue-collar family. Um, but I didn't know what that meant. I, I didn't really want to be a lawyer. And I thought at one time that I was going to be a scientist, and mm -hmm. I had won a science award in high school, and I was working as a result in the medical school at UCLA when I was still a teenager. Wow. And, and I thought, well, that's it. You know, I'm going to get a PhD in one of the sciences, and I'm going to be academic and scientific. And then there came a day that I said, no, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> I switched majors, went to the dark side of the humanities. <laughs> um, Changed schools, <laughs> did everything, yeah. and changed it. So then I really wasn't sure, and I, I kind of just followed interests, mm -hmm. and thing one thing led to another, and sure. never once did I predict that I would be any of the things I've actually been. Right. <laughs> they weren't even on the horizon. Right. So, you know, it is important to have goals and all of that, but... I didn't have them in sure. that way. I wasn't specific about it, and yeah. I just cringed when they'd ask the question, and I don't know. Yeah. I'm sorry to make you cringe. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. but I didn't, I didn't well, yeah. well, anticipate I mean, what do we it, you know, except for, when, except for the years that I thought I was going to be a scientist. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I wasn't. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. <laughs> Too funny. Uh, did you have any heroes, or, or who were your childhood heroes? Maybe some people even say have said sports people or um, people of history. You know, who who did you look up to as a kid, or or even a character? You know, whatever it was. Okay, <laughs> it's a broad question. I'm sorry for phrasing it so yeah. horribly, but um, I liked authors. Okay, you know, so I just gobbled up C.S. Lewis. Sure. Stuff and then I read his adult stuff as I became an adult. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe was one of those formative things for me. Yeah, yeah. And um, for a lot of people. Yeah. There was also a book by a man named George MacDonald from the 19th century, believe it or not, who was one of the mentors of C.S. Lewis, okay. who wrote a book called At the Back of the North Wind that my mother forbade me to read. So of course I went to the library and read it. And that was probably one of the most Inform a book that I really it went into my bone marrow. I mean, wow. it just was a view of life that I I realize has been in my subconscious and guiding me ever since I was a little kid. How um, old were you when you? Oh, read it? probably ten. Wow. And yeah. And I you know so I I kind of like things like that. I like science fiction writers, and I read Heinlein and Ursula oh, wow. Le Guin, and as I got into teenage years, those I just sucked up that stuff and really enjoyed it and yeah. and so I imagined you know worlds that could be and mm -hmm. and speculated about other planets and yeah. sat outside and stared at the sky and the stars <laughs> for hours at a time and that kind of thing yeah I like it you I did. didn't even <laughs> I haven't answered that question before that's interesting yeah, yeah that is great what answer. I did yeah it's very you had a vivid imagination from the start or certainly well, I was an only that. child, so I pretty much had to create the world in my head. <laughs> Ditto. Yeah. I get it. If you could have dinner with five famous people from history, who would they be? Or from your life? 
We'll open it up. Oh, wow. Yeah. Have dinner with five people. Yeah. Who's, who's hanging out with you? Um, the Buddha, okay. I think. That's one that jumps out at me. And or the Dalai Lama now. Sure. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to count that as one. Fair enough. <laughs> Done. Unless I can't come up with um, <laughs> you to that's And I'm not Buddhist, but that's okay. a set of insights. I do some meditation practice, and I'd like to know more about those people who seem to have gotten on top of that. Um, okay. Bill Moyers, mm -hmm. whose insights I've, I've really appreciated over many years. Mm -hmm. um, wow. Mm -hmm. um, James Madison and writing the doc, mm -hmm. or Jefferson, sure. writing the documents that are, have, are so critically important and have now become so much more visible and are being examined so carefully. And I kind of, you know, I learned them like everybody else in high school. And now I would really like to go back and talk at length about what was in their minds mm -hmm. as the, because those were radical ideas oh, at the time, completely new. How did they have the foresight and to what, include that? Yeah, what, I mean, I know the history, the facts around right. it, but I'd like to have the casual conversation about, so what were you thinking, <laughs> you know, and what mattered there? What right. are the values there? Sure. Um, one more. Sure. Um, one of the, I'm not sure which, but one of the suffragettes and people who have fought okay. for women's rights and women's yeah. vote and what that was like, um, you know, I, 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 any of them, <laughs> any of them. I'm just thinking of those stories that went on in the early 20th century yeah. and what people went through to establish that. That's what comes to mind. I mean, there have been other battles for women's yeah. um, rights. I mean, it, the other thing that flashed into my mind is the one female pharaoh in ancient Egypt. <laughs> and so, it, you yeah. know, what, but what it, women who have dealt with power or lack of that. Of, um, and I, it could be any of about twenty people. Sure, sure. I should name them, but I'm, they're all swimming in my head at once. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, I'd, I'd be looking for people who made it, who changed the world, and what was in their heads yeah. before and during doing yeah. that. And were they shocked at the response? I guess is always my yeah. thought. Like, yeah, you know, for whatever response it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And did what what did they envision and did it happen? Mm -hmm. Or did what happened satisfy them or yeah. appall them? Exactly. That is a very robust dinner table. <laughs> it might be have to be longer you have to than have dinner. Several courses. Yes. <laughs> I agree. It's a very good dinner table though. All right. What is your superpower? Mm. Um, intuition. Okay. Yeah. Right. I sometimes know what's going to happen before it happens. Yeah. And um, I mean, sometimes I get blindsided, let's be clear. It's sure. not like I can always see it. But sure. yeah, I, um, that, and that's the su superpower I'd want to be able to see into yeah. the future okay. enough to anticipate. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I don't like surprises. Fair enough. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> What is your spirit animal? Oh, no question. White wolf. Really? Mm -hmm. Tell me more. Um, that came to me in a visualization at one point, and 
I won't go into the whole story, but it was at a critical juncture in my life, and I was doing a visualization with some guidance, and suddenly I saw, I'd never thought about white wolves, and suddenly this huge white wolf, female white wolf, appeared in my vision and handled the problem that I was dealing with in ways I would never have anticipated. Mm-hmm. And I have I have images of white wolves at home, and I mm-hmm. bought a whole book of, from a National Geographic photographer who took pictures of the wolves in the Arctic. Sure. And um, that sh- it's a real, <laughs> it's a real spiritual spirit yeah. animal. Yeah. She, she appears from time to time. I mean, it's, it's not spooky spooky, but it's a, yeah. it's just a thing that, it's a real clear who that is. I mean, you know, an owl comes now and again and a raven comes now and again, but the white wolf is the, is the consistent one. Wow. I don't think I've ever gotten an answer like that, an actual, you know, spirit animal. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I, that's how I think. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And not to belittle other people's answers, but yeah, yeah. You, uh, clearly identified with that question. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Because I, I rely on that sometimes. Yeah. When I can't, deal with humans, I'll go ask the wolf what to do. Fair enough. What is one thing about you that few people know? I'm debating whether to say it on... I was going to say, I usually preface that by reminding you that you're on camera. Yes. You do not have to disclose anything um, that you do not want to. No, I, I, this is fine, but I, I have been ordained into a um, an order in southern europe which is way off the map for most people but that's a long long story of how i got to meet those people but um 15 years ago Mm -hmm. i was ordained and i do in minnesota i performed a lot of weddings i've done a little bit here and it's not something i want to do a lot of i have no intention of ever starting an alternative church of any sort but um but that's something most people don't know about me Sure. I just, that's private, sure. but it's there, and it's important to me. Sure. Cool. Well, thank you for sharing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not a secret. I just sure. don't want to get into the story <laughs> very much just because it's such a long story. I was going to say, well, I can't stop anyone from asking you this story. Now that's that okay. Said it, but <laughs> I'll just, I have my layers of answers since as I figure out what they want to know. <laughs> there you go. All right. Uh, let's see. Flip it around a little bit. What inspires you? What inspires me? Mm. Again, it's it's usually reading or seeing somebody who has wisdom I don't have. Mm-hmm. You know, if I hear something that's I've never thought of before, and it I can feel it strike mm-hmm. a chord, and it mm-hmm. starts to open me up, um, then that will take me places. So I, I look at people whose lives are lives I would want, mm-hmm. and I'm inspired to learn by watching them and try to figure, and there have been a few of those, not very many, but a few of those. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've learned acting, for example, by watching actors and then deciding maybe I could do that, and mm-hmm. but also more um, just ways of being and people who are capable of compassion and forgiveness mm-hmm. and things I aspire mm-hmm. to. Yeah, definitely. What achievement are you most proud of? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, hmm. Certainly the show I put on last spring. 
that was a big stretch for me. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) To put my words on stage, oh my goodness. Um, And watching really good actors take my words and bring them to life, Mm -hmm. that made me proud in a way um, that I hadn't been before. And finally completing a book and getting it published, getting it out there, I mean, I... That had been on my list for a long, long yeah. time, and I thought, I can't write anything that long, and I did. <laughs> so yeah. I, I, those are... They're big. Big, yeah. So big, yeah. And, and I've survived some stuff. There's been some tough stuff in my life, and just yeah. catastrophes of various sorts, and knowing that I made it, that I've been able to keep going against some horrific odds at certain points, and, mm-hmm. and I'm still not only here, but... Yeah, I, I like my life again. Right, right. That's a lot of that's an ac- achievement for a lot of people. Just liking their life is yeah, is a big deal. It is a big deal. It takes it's, a long time to get there. It it does. Yeah. I don't I don't think you have a chance until yeah. you're <laughs> got a few decades of adult life under your yeah. belt. Yeah. Um, and it's not every day. I've been known to sure. say I hate my life and why sure. am I still? But um, it all in all, I appreciate mm-hmm. what there is and. And, yeah, yeah, that's, in a way, that's been an achievement for me. Absolutely. That's exactly the point. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. How would you like to be remembered? Mm. I would like to be remembered as somebody who was there for other people mm-hmm. who, and I so wouldn't have been if I'd been gone in my 20s and 30s. I wasn't even there for myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but... Um, but I would like to be remembered for being caring and compassionate and helpful and mm-hmm. all of those sorts of things. And I'd love it if somebody thought I had a measure of wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> On most days, I think, oh, hell no, I don't. But, <laughs> but I'd love it if somebody else thought I did. Sure. I'm sure there are people out there who think that. <laughs> <laughs> I won't know. <laughs> all right, last question. Yeah. Describe yourself in three words. Three words. Three words. Intense. (laughs) Smart. Funny. It's a good combo. Very driven woman, then. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Very very cool. I like it. That'll get you through life. Well, so far it has. (laughs) I mean, I just... I just turned 70, so. Oh, wow. You don't look 70 at all. <laughs> I didn't think I'd ever be that. <laughs> Turn... well, you were intense and you yeah. were. I mean, <laughs> you were smart. <laughs> yeah, you have to be able to crack a joke at the right time to just break up whatever is coming down. Yeah. And it takes being smart to know when to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it turns out if you're born in 1947, when it gets to 2017, you're 70. <laughs> um, it's amazing how that works. <laughs> Awesome. Well, you're done. You survived. Another thing. Knock that off your achievement list. <laughs> you're done. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I hope you. that was okay. It's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. You've got stuff. You've got stuff. That's it. Are you interested in becoming a community producer? 
Join AOC for as little as $35 a year to have access to high-quality cameras, audio, podcast, and editing booths, production equipment, educational workshops, and much more. AOC Community Media has evolved into a true media center focused on building an informed and engaged community through media, technology, and education. For more information about becoming an AOC member, visit our website at aocinc.org. The AOC Podcast is produced by AOC Community Media. Contributors include Othello Andrews, Marie Boulding, A. Bowie, Lillian Dejon, Annette Diaz, Jill Boozy Ferguson, Nancy Judas, Joseph Cleason, William McFarlane, Matt Roberts, Stephen Skip Shannon, Christy Tracy, Jasmine Tillery, Jacob White, and Shahid Williams. Music in today's episode. Luna's Little Friend, Ukulele Instrumental by Ivan Shute. Kyoshi Key by Nano. The Long Goodbye by John Pasden. ALC Community Media is located at the Rosa Parks Transportation Center, 101 Jefferson Street, Suite 100, Lafayette, Louisiana, 70501. For more information, go to our website at aocinc.org, call 337-232-4434, or email info at aocinc.org. Until next time, stay informed and engaged.